Welcome to this episode of What's a Beautiful Life Anyway. To live our best and most beautiful life, we all want to be happy and enjoy what we do. My guest today is Debbie Etherington, and she changed her career path after many years and became an author of children's books. Welcome, Debbie. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. So, Debbie, tell us about your background. Okay, well, um, I started life working in the corporate world. So I was actually working within banking. But very, very quickly, at quite a young age, I progressed into the training side of the uh, world. So I was working, really running sort of corporate management courses um, and communication courses as well. And I did that until I was sort of in my mid-30s. Um, at which point I decided to go out and do my own thing. So I started my own business. I was running um, a training business and a coaching business as well. And I um, did that for quite some time until I reached the, a grand old age, which I won't say. <laughs> um, and I kind of thought, right, this is it now. I've done my stint in the corporate world. I've done my stint, you know, trying to make my mark in that way. I wanted something that was more creative and I wanted something more engaging. Over the years, I had been doing some writing, but it was very um, ad hoc and it was really just for my own pleasure more than anything I'd written. I'd had a couple of poems in obscure places published and um, and I did find when I'm writing, particularly when I write poetry, I write, and this sounds really strange, but I do write quite well when I'm depressed. And part of that is, I think, it kind of somehow gives me an outlet to get some of my feelings and thoughts down. But, you know, I mean, I do write not only when I'm depressed, but I sort of dabbled over the years. And then I got to this stage in life where I thought, right, okay, I want to do something more seriously with my writing. And um, and I really, I guess, was inspired to write for children because I had a number of um, nieces, nephews and grandchildren. And, you know, when I say a number, a huge number of them. Um, and over the years, they have always pestered me to tell them bedtime stories. So whenever they came to stay, I would do a bedtime story and then it always had to be they were the central character. There always had to be some sort of adventure in it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so I guess that kind of guided and pushed me into then writing, you know, something more, something more uh, meaty in terms of a children's story. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? So, I think being in the corporate world, in the sorts of job you did, you learn to write anyway. You've got to be able to write if you're running training courses, designing Absolutely. courses, preparing handouts, that sort of thing for people. Then, yes, you know you can write. We all, I think in all of us, there's a book, isn't there? I've sat down many <laughs> times to start writing a book and never done it. You should do, Jill. You should. <laughs> Maybe one of these days, one of these days. Um, so, yeah, and I guess I'm not surrounded by children at all. You know, um, there's not really many small children in our family. 
at the moment. I'm sure, you know, hopefully there will be one day and I will have grandchildren. But yeah, I can imagine having children like that would help you to, to would inspire you to write children's books. Um, and we've had a discussion before about how important it is for parents to read and tell stories to their children because, you know, I always did with mine from when they were babies and they're now 23 and 27 and still like to sit and read a book. I mean, my son's mm. dream job would be to be an editor and just get paid to sit and read books all day. <laughs> In fact, on my Instagram, I have just put a post on there about how important reading to children and reading with children and encouraging them to read themselves is. And I know in today's life, you know, everything's so busy, you know, everything's online. I mean, it's, it's just it's the speed of life is, is so much faster and much, much faster paced than perhaps when I was a child. But um, I think it is so really important. And I mean, I do, my, my fondest memories are of my father reading to me, particularly where I can remember a specific time of laying on the sofa. My father was um, a doctor, or I think he was just, he was sort of finishing off his training. And I remember him reading Alice in Wonderland and Alice Through the Looking Glass to me, which really captured my imagination. And I think it still does with some children, even though it's a, a very old story um and you know I went on to read the Chronicles of Narnia and and some of those books um and that's that captured me and I I continued to read and I think that's really important with children you know it, it, there is because we have such busy lives it's easy to say well you know I don't have time to do it but you know maybe a short chapter once and once an evening or you know a couple of times a week is enough to foster yeah. their love of reading and the other thing that I'm, I'm hearing as well is that because of the nature of things online and the, the kind of gaming and all this this kind of thing that's going on it, it is getting difficult in some instances to get some children focused on reading but I think if it's done at an early enough age that fosters it for life then yeah Yes, so, yeah, absolutely. Really, really, as you say, Jill, really important to, to It's do really that. important. It improves their vocabulary, their whole sense of grammar and English or whatever language you're reading in. Absolutely. And in, a, in well, hopefully it will keep them away from all those video games and things. Um, <laughs> hopefully. I'm not saying that they're all wrong because no. you know, there's some, some good stuff on there. But I also think that should be combined with reading the written word as well yeah yeah and getting into rituals I remember with Harry there was one was it Harry or Felicity it was well both of them had a special Christmas story and when it got to the the whole hype of Christmas starting in the UK they say oh where's the Christmas story and Felicity's it was about it was called the Christmas kitten and the other one was very American. It was all about candy canes and leaving hot chocolate for Santa rather than sherry, as you know, <laughs> we do in yeah. the UK. Um, but for years and years and years, and even now when we have chats, they'll quite often remember those books. So I think discussing the books with them. Um, yeah. Yes. And, and, and that brings, again, they're having very happy memories of that time. And they will always remember those things. Yeah. 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 So I think and, and I think discussing the stories with them 
in a way, that's where their love of books comes from, because they know that they'll get lost in a story when they're reading. So it's, mm. it's quite nice to do that, isn't it? It's quite nice to do that. Mm. So um, you you said that you found the writing really therapeutic. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And I know this is a big thing for therapists and a way of helping people, but so that we can help others understand how that might help them. How did it help you? Yeah, I think, well, as I said, you know, over the years, I've, I've kind of had bleak moments. I, I call it depression, but more kind of bleak blips, really. Yeah. Um, and in those times, I've, I've put pen to paper and, and I've just found that that's helped. But more recently, I guess, um, my husband, unfortunately, had a stroke. And at that time, he was really unable to speak or do anything. Um, and it was a, it was an extremely worrying time. But what I found was that I was in the middle of writing and I found my writing took me away from the situation. Obviously, I don't forget it completely, but it because I had to concentrate completely on the writing and the story and build this world in my mind and create, you can't let anything else infiltrate into your thoughts. So in a way, it's, it was a therapy that gave me me time you know, because everything was so focused on him and getting him well. Um, and it's very, as people that have experienced this will know, it's a very stressful time. By having something that was mine and just for me, um, I found, yeah, it was my outlet. Yeah. yeah, it is important. And if people, even if they're not writers, so um, there's something called Morning Pages, which um, started by a lady it used to be called The Artist's Way or something, or she wrote a book called The Artist's Way. But morning pages is where you just sit down in the morning, set a timer for 20 minutes or five minutes to start with, and just whatever's in your head, write it down, get it on paper. And then if it's really negative, you can burn it, just get rid of it. Um, And that's a really good way as well to help you try and make your mind feel more positive there's a a completely digressing there's a podcast I was started listening to yesterday all about longevity and it's amazing how I'll post a link to it in the show notes actually just make a note um it's all about the more you train your train your mind to be positive then the more likely you are to live for longer and the less likely you are to be ill, if people focus on how bad they feel, how ill they feel and all the rest of it, they're actually going to just bring more illness on themselves. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they can forget about it and think about being well and happy and everything else, then they're more likely to be well and to, to live longer. So just a slight digression there. Oh, no, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. I think you can get into this kind of negative cycle yeah. and... Um, and almost in doing that, your body responds accordingly. Yeah, yeah. Barry's lucky he had you there to stay <laughs> positive and help. I don't know if he'd say that now. <laughs> now he's recovered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Now, Debbie, I know that you have a writing coach. How does that work? Because, again, you know, I've got a book in me. There's lots of people out there who'd love to write a book. How mm. does a writing coach help you? 
Um, well, it's a it's a story and a half, but I happened to be talking to a friend of mine and I explained I was writing a book and she said, oh, um, my sister does some writing and, and she r- runs um, a coaching, a writing coaching kind of thing. I said, oh, okay, let me get in touch with her. Um, and cut long story short, I got in touch with her and she runs um, something called The Writing Coach. Um, and her name is Jackie Lofthouse. She's actually published books of her own and she's got some very, very good contacts within the publishing world. Um, really quite famous um, people um, that, and some of them have sort of been helping me a little as well. But um, what she does is she runs classes on Zoom. We have a write-in once a week on Zoom, which is what we did this morning. So, for example, at nine o'clock, we'll all come on to Zoom and say what we're going to write for the next hour or what we're going to do for the next hour. And that encourages everybody to actually get writing. Yeah. And then at the end of it, we'll explain what we've actually achieved in the hour. Um, some will have achieved more than others but also she does one-to-one coaching so she will and she will run sessions around uh, motivation and you know what what to do if you're getting stuck and and all the aspects really of writing a book and of publishing a book she will focus on each week on different aspects of that so it may be in a group as a group or it may be on a one-to-one basis but um I have to say without her I don't think I would have got to where I've got so I think the power of coaching and I know you do some coaching Jill is extremely important I think it really is a powerful tool to get you motivated and to get you into the right groove if you like um and take your life forward in what Every direction that might be. I mean, mum was writing and publishing my book, but you know, I really think that coaching is is something that can be very, very powerful. Yeah, it's someone to keep you accountable, isn't it? Make sure you do what you say you're going to do. We all say we're going to do things every day, go to the gym, or you know, eat healthily, or whatever. But sometimes it's actually hard yeah. to, to follow that through. Now, yes. you're often, when I've got a pile of chocolate in front of me, you know. Oh, no. I know, I can't have chocolate in the house. Let me just put that out. <laughs> um, okay, so your second book has been published. And I think before we say the title, we need to look at your sweatshirt. Oh, yes, I'll show you. Hang on one second. Let me move this down. Isn't that lovely? See that? Be kind. That is so beautiful. That is so lovely. And I love your little brooch as well with the bee. <laughs> So let's let's announce your book that's being published. It's called Ella and the Ancient Bee. Yes. So Debbie, tell us tell us about it. Okay. Well, I'll just give you a little glimpse. Yes. That, that's the book. Um, and what I, I felt I was thinking about what inspired me to write this particular story, because the book is set in the future. It's about um, a ten-year-old girl. And in this world, they don't have cars anymore. They have each person, adults and children, have their own set of wings. So they use those as transport. This is the mode of transport. And I think that probably comes from the fact that I hate driving. 
and I hate the traffic and I hate the pollution. And I think that's possibly where that, that kind of came from. And in um, and she is living in this world. She's got a best friend. She goes to school and, you know, all the sort of normal things happen. But in the school, there are both teachers and robots. Um, one of the robots works in the library called Robbie, and he is he loves to dress up in different things. So he, each day he might come as Caesar or he might come as a ballerina. So he's and, and he's very lifelike. Um, uh, there's another robot called um, Nurse Click, who is not really wired for sympathy. But um, and she's quite kind of a little bit austere and kind of, you know, no nonsense. So there's a few different different robots in there. But basically, um, the bees have stopped making honey and her father is a beekeeper. So they're trying to she's she's quite concerned for her father and she's trying to find out what's happened. Now, I don't want to give too much away, but she actually in the library discovers and they don't have books anymore they have tablets and holograms but at the back of the library they find a really spooky old bookcase and in that bookcase they find an old book with the title ancient b and when they open the book up they find inside a map a sort of word puzzle like a crossword type puzzle um, and a bee encased in glass, in a glass marble. And the bee looks like it's alive. And they find they when they solve the clues, that helps them to find the resolution to the bees dying. Now, in amongst all of this, they have an adversary who is um, one of their classmates. And she um, goes missing. And Ella essentially has to try and save her mm. by finding some very giant, big giant spiders. Um, so it's kind of got a couple of strands woven into the story. So it's an adventure, a fantasy, um, aimed at sort of seven to ten-year-olds, although somebody said their 11-year-old enjoyed it, someone else said their six-year-old enjoyed it. So, you know, it, it depends on their level of reading because these days, of course, their levels are, are very different and some, yeah. some are more advanced than others. Um, so, yeah, um, and it's got some nice illustrations in it. So that's really essentially the story in a nutshell. That sounds amazing. I think I want to read it. <laughs> it sounds really, really good. And with a younger child, you could it could actually be the story you pick up and read a chapter of every night to them. Yes, yes. And I've kind of tried to do it so that the each chapter finishes on a bit of a cliffhanger so that yeah. they're wanting to then find out more so yes it would be one you could read each evening to them but also there's this sort of ecological theme as well about saving the bees and how important the bees are to us uh, I'm gonna have to get a copy and keep it for when I get grandchildren <laughs> <laughs> and then I can be the story that grandma reads to them <laughs> Uh, now, Debbie, I know you've written another book, Millie, Molly and the Fat Cat. We won't go into that too much, but that is out there if people want to buy it. Yes, I mean, both of these are on Amazon. They're on um, Amazon. So they can, can purchase them through Amazon. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, What's next? Ooh. 
Well, the next, I, I am making this into a series. So the next book is about Ella, who goes to the moon with her, sorry, not the moon, go to Mars with her friend to visit her friend's aunt who lives there. Um, and they discover that the rivers and lakes are being polluted. Um, and it all ties in with, now wait for it, a spa for robots. Okay. <laughs> so the, the robots have their own spa where they can get their creeks and, you know, bits changed. And then the humans have their spa too, where they can go for their massage and creams and so forth. Um, and it's about finding out what, you know, what's happened and why the these there's that pollution. Now, I am kind of on first draft of that, but I'm hoping that will be out sometime mid-2024. I also have another book, which I have written, um, called Arching the Purple Potion Maker, um, which is completed, but I need to go and revisit it and do a bit of tweaking. And then when I've done that, again, I will probably put that onto Amazon. So there's quite a lot, a lot to work with over the next year. Yes, lots and lots of things to keep you busy, keep you occupied. Yes. And you're doing some book signings on Ella, aren't you? Ella, Ella. Yes, yes. At the moment, um, just locally, um, I'm doing a, a book signing. And I'm also trying to, well, I, I have been approached by some of the schools to maybe go in and do some author visits. And I'm, at the moment, I'm doing them free because, you know, I'm starting out and schools I know are very strapped for funds. Yeah. So I will go in and, and spend maybe an hour or so with, with the children, talk about book, but also we'll do something interactive and fun as well. Yeah. And that should generate sales because they'll go home and talk to their parents. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes, that would be good. I mean, I mean just love, it's lovely working with younger children and, you know, yeah. it's, it should be it should be fun. So, yeah. yeah, no, it sounds great. Sounds great. Um, so the books are available on Amazon. So I'll make sure we put a link to the books in the show notes. Thank so you. people can go and order those if they want to. Uh, we know what you're doing next. Any thoughts about writing for adults? Well, now, interestingly, I have, again, dabbled with this in the past. Um, and and but never really completed very much. I did write a short story, which again I've not done anything with. Um, I think mainly because I've never until now felt really, you know, this imposter syndrome that people talk about. You know, where you am I really an author kind of thing? And I think I'm only just starting now to believe in myself in that respect. Um, and so I might do a little bit more of that. But at the moment, I'm focusing on on the children's writing. It's something I really enjoy. Um, I mean, you you can have a very wild imagination with children, which is great. Yeah. Adults, um, yes, I've got things in mind, but nothing concrete at the moment. Okay. Well, Debbie, we look forward to hearing you talk to us again when your next book is ready. So sometime next year, maybe mid-2024, we'll find out about Ella's next adventure. But in the meantime, everybody out there, I'm going to put the links up to those books in the show notes so that you can get your copy. And if you've got 
you know, children any age, really, between five and 15, um, or you've got grandchildren or nieces and nephews, this could be a brilliant Christmas present for people. So look out for the link and get those. And Debbie, thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, you know, for listening. It's um, It's been a very exciting journey for me, as I'm sure people can imagine, going from um, nothing to actually having a book out there so yeah really exciting and I just you know I'm just so thankful to everybody it's it's everybody that's helped me everybody that's bought the book to you Jill you know it's been a really exciting time for me lovely Christmas present for me too (laughs) yes yeah and you should it is an exciting time and you should be extremely proud of yourself because you know so many of us think we can write a book and we never do it and you've actually done it and that's you know, it should be incredibly uh, satisfying for you and you should be very proud of yourself. So I shall get my copy. It'll be sent to my UK address, but I shall look forward to getting that when I go home and I will read it and post a review up. So thank you, Debbie. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Jill. Thank you.